Well, Pam and I are uh, just thrilled to be here with you. We're, we're grateful uh, just to experience God's presence with you and your response to him. God's at work among you. And uh, thanks to uh, Pastor Andy and his wife Gwen uh, for allowing us to come here. We're, we're glad for that. And I met Andy a couple of years ago, and you can only guess what, how I met him. He recruited me. You know, I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but he recruited me to, to go, and we were part of a design for, for work, and what a fulfilling opportunity. I, I won't forget that, and it means a lot to me, Andy, that, that we got to be together for a while, and uh, the, the great work you did, you all are doing here, and for Bob and Carla, we're just longtime friends and uh, true friends, um, just, just, they love this church, too. And love you guys, so uh, keep them here. Keep them, keep them busy. And uh, let, them, let them grow. And I hope all of you grow. That's, that's my heart for you today. I, I brought um, something with me today that I have a lot of around my house. Legos. Um, not because I use them, but people that stay at my house use them a lot. And... They are, are really a lot of fun. They're, they're something that this box de, is uh, designed to make, and it's called the Creator, and it, it's three different things that it makes. And boy, kids love this, and some adults do, and of course you've seen all the big things people have made with Legos. And, and it's all in these little, little bags and boxes that it, that it comes in. There's more, and, and somehow, all these little things, if you put them together, make that. Now, if I opened all of these and poured them out on the floor and mixed them all together, what would you have? You'd have a mess. There's no doubt. You'd probably lose some of them. Uh, that happens a lot, the little bitty pieces. You'd, you'd lose them and maybe couldn't make it, but you could probably make something with it, but probably not what the people that designed it want you to make. And, and that's what's cool about it. Uh, sometimes, I think messes happen in our lives. Have you ever had a mess in your life? Maybe it was inside that it was messed up. Maybe it's outside and all the circumstances, you're just like, this is terrible, I don't know what to do. We, we encounter that all the time, messes in our lives. I, I, I came today to share with you that, that, that there's a mission in your mess. There's a mission God has for you to fulfill, even in your mess, even when you don't feel like it, even when you can't see it, even when you're so hurt and disturbed and it, it, it's overwhelming to you. In, in that, somewhere, if you'll look for it, there's a mission and God's at work in you. I know that's hard to believe sometimes because I, I know the way some of those things feel. You're, you just get numb and you struggle and you kind of lose hope and you're wondering if there is a God now, how could he let this happen to me? Have you ever been there and thought that? And, you know, be honest, it, it happens to us. We're, we struggle with it and, and, and we deal with tragedy and sickness and relationship, re, relationship meltdowns. We, we lose a job or have financial struggles, and we don't know what to do. 
It, it, it happens all the time to us. It's happened to us. It's happened to Pam and I. I'm sure it's happened to people you know. <laughs> it's maybe not you, but people you know. It, it's happened, and we want to know how to change it. Is, is God punishing me by letting this happen? Sometimes that's our response to it. We, we don't know. We don't know what to do, and sometimes we're just neutralized by it. Well, I, I want to I share from God's Word today a story about some people that were in a big mess, and it's the disciples. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 4, and you've, you've heard part of this story, I know, or, or thought about it or read it many times, the story of the disciples in the storm. Let, let me set that up for you and give you a little background because Mark is a book that, that, that shares about what Jesus does, and it's a, it's a quick, it's all about the immediate things. And so John the Baptist comes, and he prepares the way. Jesus is baptized and sent to the desert and comes back in power and proclaims that the kingdom of God is here. And, and right away, he, he drives out an evil spirit uh, as as. Before, right before that happens, he calls his disciples. Remember that? He says, I want you to be fishers of men. That's kind of a cool metaphor, isn't it? And we think, yeah, that's kind of cool, a metaphor. These guys are fishermen, so they're going to fish for men. It has a whole different meaning than that. It's a whole deeper meaning than that. To, the, to them, how did, how did they leave what they were doing immediately? Their, their, their identity, their income, their, their, their family, how did they leave all of that immediately it's because they realized from the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, that there was a call that the Messiah would come and, and be a fisher of men. And it was an apocalyptic meaning to it that they said, I, I'm leaving everything. This is the Messiah. Let's go. And they were really willing to do that and, and, and saw that there was something happening and they were chosen to be a part of it. Well, Jesus takes them and they drive out an impure, Jesus drives out an impure spirit in a person, um, he, he heals people, he goes and prays, then he heals a man with leprosy and forgives that paralyzed man that his buddies came and tore out the roof and dropped him down, you know, you know that story. I'd like to have friends like that, wouldn't you, that would, that would do that. And, and then he calls Levi and eats with sinners, sits at the table with them and eats with them and, and the Pharisees come at him and and they call him out on a number of things, but he still keeps going and heals a man with a withered hand. His hand's withered and he stretches it out and Jesus heals him and he's with crowds and the Pharisees keep on him, call him all kinds of names and say he has an impure spirit. And then he starts teaching in parables. In chapter four, there's three parables that he teaches and it leads right up to this moment. And it says that Jesus began to teach them in verse 31, he began to teach them these things uh, all the time. This is what he used with similar parables. He didn't say anything without using a parable. And, and, and you got to think that the disciples are like, this is cool. Don't you think? I mean, put yourself in their place. What, what would you do? I mean, you, you've, you know a little bit about the scripture. You meet this guy, Jesus. He calls you to follow, and you see him start healing people, and you see him... Uh, standing up against the Pharisees, and, and, and you're with him, and wouldn't that be awesome that you could just kind of go around and go, yeah, I'm with him. Huh? I'm with him. See this guy, Jesus? Yep, I'm with him. I'm, I'm, I'm on his side. 
Well, well let's, let's read the story, and starting in verse 35. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he took them along just as he was in the boat. And there were, there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So there they are, hanging out with Jesus. They think it's going to be great. They think it's going to be smooth sailing, you know. And the storm comes up. You know, storms in life happen. They do. You can't always predict it. In this case, they could not tell that this was going to happen. They probably wouldn't have gone out. They're experienced fishermen. They, they know how to, how to sail, and they know the sea, and they know when there's a storm, and they, they know what to do. And, and so here they are in the middle of this situation, in the middle of a storm. They're with Jesus, and... All of a sudden, they're swamped. Their boat is swamped. They can't keep going. It's, a, it's, it's terrible. Uh, what would you do if you were in a situation like that on a boat, may, say maybe like Michigan, and a storm comes up and it's going under? What would you do? Would you ask why? Probably not. You would probably prepare for the worst. You would probably try to get through it. You'd probably try to start the engine or or get out of the way, or, or get through it, maybe you'd give up. I don't know, but storms happen like that, and we respond to them. Sometimes we don't know what to do in the middle of that. We, we default to giving up and putting our eyes on the storm. Have you ever done that? You're in the middle of something, and you just put your eyes on the storm, because that's what's in front of you. And, and uh, having experienced some things like that, like you have, sometimes you just kind of grow numb and you're paralyzed by it. And, and you, all of a sudden you start thinking, I, I gotta get some help. I, I'm, I need to call somebody to help me, a friend. And maybe I'll call them to pray for me, for me. And I, I want people to do that. And, and, and maybe it gets so difficult, you decide that you're gonna pray and ask Jesus to help you. Have, have you ever, you, you try yourself to get through the storm, you ask friends to help you, and then it gets so bad, you pray. Have, have you ever done that? Huh? Really? Have you, ever, have you ever been there where you said, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to, this is so bad, I'm going to pray. And that's kind of what these guys did. Because they, they knew what was going on. They were in the water. And the word water in Hebrew means chaos. It comes from the word chaos. And so they were in the middle of chaos, the the, the, the sense that this is going to wipe us out like the flood in Noah's day. And, and so um, they have to be asking Jesus, you, you're so great and you did all these things and 
we're going with you and you put us in the storm. Why? I mean, we didn't think this was going to happen this way. We did not think we were going to be with you and we were going to die. That wasn't what we thought this was going to be like. We thought this was going to be really great. And, and here we are. We're, we're in the middle of, of this. We're on the sea. We're fishermen. We know how to sail. We're experts in the subject. And yet, the storm completely limits them. They are in the middle of this and don't see the, maybe the design that the designer has going on in their life. They can't see it. They're just worried that they're going to die. And it's, it's a mess. Well, as, as the story unfolds, um, they began to experience what we need to experience in that. And that is, uh, there's, there's like this revealing of who Jesus is and who they are. Jesus begins to reveal himself. First, they go wake him up because in the middle of this, he's sleeping. And sometimes we feel that way. Jesus is sleeping in the middle of my storm. Where is he? You know, I, I pray and I don't sense him. But he's sleeping. Who does that remind you of? Is there a story in the Bible that reminds you of people in a boat, it's a bad storm, and there's someone sleeping in the boat? Does that remind you of somebody? Who, who's that? Does it remind you of Jonah? Well, they had to remind them of Jonah, too. I mean, it's not, it's not a, just a coincidence or an accident that that's happening. It's deliberate. And so that had to kind of make them think about Jonah for some reason. So they're in a boat. There's a bad storm. Uh, they're going to die. And so they decide to find Jesus and wake him up. That's a good idea. And, and so Jesus uh, uh, is, is available to them. They had lost all their sailing skills. They, they had lost who they thought they were, who they were going to be. Their identity was, they were fishermen. They were strong. They were sailors. And they, they knew stuff about the the situation, and, and together they had to work. It wasn't an individualistic thing on purpose. They had to work together, and then they had to go and decide that Jesus was, could help them maybe. But they lost their confidence in themselves and in Jesus. The storms do that to us. They, they lost it all. They, they, they didn't know what to do. Nothing would work. It just didn't happen. So, so they went and find him and found him, and there he is sleeping, and, and, he, and he comes out, and he does something that's even more miraculous than anything they'd seen him do. This is impressive. I want you to think about it. This is very impressive. He's, the, the storm's raging, the boat is sinking. The disciples are all afraid. Don't know what's going on. And Jesus speaks. And, and, he, and he speaks those famous words, quiet, be still. And the wind and the waves stopped. You, you've got to be like, wow. You do. Come on. Come on, are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, you've got to say wow to this. 
That's unheard of. Who could do that? Well, one greater than Jonah could do that. But you've got to say, wow. And, and again, I would be like, yeah, I'm glad I'm with Jesus today. You know, this is, this is good. And this is amazing. I mean, have you ever tried to speak to the weather? You probably have. Like, stop raining and it got worse. And, you know, you, you, it, it doesn't work. We don't really, I know there's somebody, there's somebody that says, yeah, I prayed about a storm and it stopped. But not like this. It's, it's really something, and, and, and then he says something to them that is, is, I think, unusual, because what other human response would be there other than fear? You know, he addresses our fear, and he says, why are you so afraid? And it's sort of like, well, hey, because we're dying, and we're going to drown, and there's a bad storm. That's why we're afraid. You know, this is bad. We're in a mess. And he says, why are you so afraid? So he starts to reveal who he is. And not only does he overcome nature and speak to it and speak to a storm, but he speaks to what's in us, fear, the storm in them. And he speaks to it. He speaks to their storm going on inside of them. And, 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 and he says, you know, I think something out of the ordinary, do you have no faith? Now, he kind of is, it's kind of a rebuke. And is that a time for a rebuke in the middle of the mess? You know, it's sort of like, yeah, well. And, and what that means, it doesn't mean they didn't have any amount of faith because, you know, faith can only has to be the, the size of a mustard seed. That, it isn't the amount. It's, it, it implies that they needed to continue in their faith. Why, why haven't you continued in your faith? like you've seen happen when you're around me. Why haven't you done that? And it says, uh, uh, not only were they terrified of the storm, but when Jesus does this, uh, they were afraid of the storm, <clears throat> but they were terrified of Jesus. A stronger word. that not, The storm was incredible, but now this guy they thought they knew they thought they knew themselves. They thought they knew who this guy Jesus was. Suddenly, they're terrified of him. Can you imagine? I mean, there's, there's a, an intense, greater than fear going on that what have we got ourselves into? Because who is he? And they ask, we're so terrified. How can the wind and the waves obey him? And so there's this revelation of who Jesus is to them for a reason and who they are. You see, in the middle of the mess, there's a mission going on. And they were able to begin to grasp who this man Jesus is who speaks the creator speaking to creation. And they get a whole bigger unlimited picture of who he is who is he how does he speak to storms and doesn't he speak to your storm do you let him he's speaking to your storm whether it's a storm inside or the circumstances around you 
Don't forget that he's with you and speaking. He has something to say to you so that you'll take your eyes off of the storm and your limitations and see his unlimited power, love, and plan to fulfill a mission through you. I, I really believe this. There's a mission that he has for you to be a part of, and no doubt it's the church. Henry Nuon says, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based on success, popularity, and power is a false identity. Our identity has to be found in Christ. So whatever you go through in life is meant to reveal Jesus through me and in me. Whatever you go through. Tim Keller said, trouble can take away any, take away, trouble can take anything away from you except God. When you really know that. Therefore, if God is in you a greater safety, a greater security, a more powerful hope than anything else in the world, uh, you will have no uh, fear of that, no trouble because of it. The, um, the verse that comes to my mind in the middle of that is found in James chapter 1, verse 3. I think that's one of the verses that you, you love and kind of hate, you know, all, all at the same time. Because it says, consider it joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must have its perfect work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James speaking to people that were uh, persecuted and dispersed. He, he, he gives them words of, when, when stuff's going bad, have joy. That doesn't make sense. I mean, do you go, yeah, come on, this is great. I love this mess I'm in. Give me some more. You don't do that. That's not telling us to do that. So here he is speaking to us that in our troubles, it's more than just going, yeah, it happens, and, and, uh, and, and we want Jesus to speak to us. This, this, these troubles... Um, there's this experience of joy and trouble at the same time. There's a tension that goes on in that. And I don't take what I'm saying lightly because I know how difficult some of the things are in life. And so this joy and trouble is there and kind of start, gives us the opportunity to kind of start seeing that God's at work and our faith is being tested. I don't mean like, at school, when you take a test to see how you are, it's strengthened. You know, like when you go fishing, and, and what kind of line do you have? Well, it depends on the, the test of the line. How strong is it? And so the testing of your faith, he wants to bring some perseverance into your life. Not give up. Not, not give up faith or hope so that you become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There, there's something God's at work in, and we may not understand it. We may not get to the end of why did this happen right away, you know, because it didn't seem right and it wasn't fun and, and it hurt and all of that. But there's something about it that we can trust him, that, that the joy is in trusting him uh, and, and not the struggle that we're going through. 
With joy, it says, Jesus endured the cross, Hebrews says. There's something about it that, that we can know that he's at work. And again, I don't take that lightly and just blow it off and go, yeah, it happens and you should be joyful. That's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know that deep down inside, as you uh, face those struggles, God's at work. And he's strengthening you for the mission that he has in your life. Maybe you can relate to what other people are going through better than you used to because of that. Pam and I went through, have gone through a lot of storms like you have, and one of those was uh, when our 15-year-old daughter, one Sunday, started, she said she'd been feeling bad, and uh, we, we were at, it was a Sunday, and uh, we had a doctor at our church, and he says, you know, she doesn't look good. Let me take her to my hospital. And we, of course, we're concerned, very concerned. We don't know what it is. We kind of think it's like mono or something. Well, he takes her there, and he goes, you know, we need to take her to Children's Hospital in Chicago. And so Pam goes with her, stays the night. Uh, next day, she's taken to Chicago. And this, this doctor comes out and goes, I have to tell you, your daughter has leukemia. And, uh, you know, you're like, wow, I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm, my, my, uh, I don't mean to be laughing, but my, my first response was, will she ever have kids? And uh, the doctor was like, hey, buddy, that's the last of your worries, <laughs> you know. And I don't know why I said that. Uh, I don't know what made me think of that. And after that, they only talked to Pam. But um, <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> So for, for, you know, like three, four years, she went on, uh, th this was uh, a number of years ago, so she went through all this chemotherapy, and, um, three or four years of it, and struggles and near-death experiences, and uh, Pam stood with her and, uh, when she had to go overnight, so then she'd come home, and our whole family dealt with that. And, um, you, you know, one day, they... They, they came to us and they had finished the chemo. And uh, they said, you know, her blood count is still low and uh, we would need to take another bone marrow because it might be coming back. And of course, the shoe drops and you're like, no, because it's not like today the way they deal with it. Well, it came back through, through DNA sampling, the leukemia was gone. It was gone. She... Uh, they didn't say she was healed, but our doctor friend said, you know, it's kind of a miracle. And uh, as we walk through that, one of the things I began to realize is this, you know, I'm, I'm glad I prayed, but this wasn't because of how hard I prayed or other people prayed. What, what I saw was that God is merciful. That's all I could say. He heals and he's just full of mercy. And in this case, unlike what happened to a lot of families there, she was healed, and she's, she's, by the way, has two kids now, so we're, we're married, and we're glad for that, um, but, but we also saw other families that went through the death of their child, so we, we, our whole eyes were open to all, the, all kinds of people that are struggling with stuff like that, and hopefully gave us some, some sympathy, and empathy, and understanding, you know, God didn't punish us and didn't punish her uh, through that, but we begin to see who he is. And he helps whether they're healed or 
whether they're not healed, he helps. He's there. He's resurrection and life. And so we, we go through those storms and, and uh, found that, that maybe part of the mission is caring about other people in a deeper way, um, praying and other things like that. So, so the disciples get through this storm uh, and end up uh, to the place that they were supposed to go in, in the garrisons. That was a, across the sea from where they lived to a pagan place to go see a pagan guy. They weren't the Jewish race. And Jesus is taking them there. And not, not to, it's, it's a little bit long story, but the storm prepared them for the mission they were going on because it, it was a very interesting thing. I want to read a few verses to you. Chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the garrisons and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came up from the tombs to meet him and this man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. He tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day. He ran through the tombs and the hills, and he would cry out and cut himself, cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And so that was their mission. That's a, you know, that wouldn't be the first cruise you would sign up for. You know what I'm saying? So, so he, they're with them and they see this guy and you've got to wonder how and why this happened to this man. Uh, th this man is socially disruptive, out of control, uh, isolated and an outcast, violent. He lost all decency. He lost uh, hope. He was definitely emotionally unstable. He would cry out and cut himself and he lived in the tombs. No relief, no peace, no hope. Really uh, what you could say is uh, he was spiritually bankrupt with no purpose in life. And most of the people quit caring about him, except Jesus. He didn't quit caring about him. And even though society does that, and this man was living life without a savior, Jesus showed up. And even though this man was devastated and everything was at the worst, Jesus shows up and he sets the man free. He not only sets him free, but when you read the rest of the story, the man <laughs> becomes in his right mind, and Jesus, uh, and this is crazy, I mean, really, Jesus says, uh, uh, called him to follow him, and he wanted to go with him, but he said, no, you go back to where you came from, to the Decapolis, to the Ten Cities, tell them what I did. So this is like one of the first evangelists that is sent out, and Jesus redeems this man from the worst of the worst and that was their mission and i think jesus is saying to the disciples and i think he's saying to us through this storm this is what you do when you follow me you see it's it's not just hanging out and having a good time this is what you do when you follow me this is what i'm all about Jesus said. And, and I don't mean you do it every day necessarily, but this is what you do when, when you see people that are in great need. This is what you do. You go for them. 
and you take people with you for them. And you trust me to change their lives. I think that's amazing. So even in the mess that you're in, even in the mess that you've been through and you've struggled in, there's this mission that Jesus said, keep going for people. Keep going. Reach out to people that are in need, whether it's inside or outside or both, whether it's turmoil on the inside or big circumstances that, that nobody can help. Go for them. Help them. Turn them toward him. That's what we're here for. And, and I, I, I just want to leave a little bit of a challenge to you. First of all, if you're going through a mess, take a moment and look for the mission. Look for it. Have, have you ever known people that, I've met people that were in the hospital and they were not doing well. They, they were sick and told bad news. But they, they had some joy in their life and they said, you know, the reason I'm here is because I prayed with that nurse. She was having a hard time, and I'm thinking, wow, you're sick, and you're praying for and praying with the person that's taking care of you. See, they, they found the mission in their mess. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but, but who knows? They, they just had this heart to, to do that and didn't keep their eyes on the mess but on something far greater of what Christ could do in their life. And, and so you're in the middle of transition of a pastor, and it's, it, it has challenges. I know, I know uh, Andy loves the church, and I'm grateful, and you're in this transition. Keep your eyes. My challenge to you is not only personally do it, but as a church, keep your eyes on the mission. Keep your eyes on this deep and abiding love for Christ as you pray as you pray together, as you care about each other, God will bring the person. He, he does. Is he the head of the church? Whose church is this, anyway? Well, it's, it's your church, right? And, and I think a pastor would say, yeah, this is my church. Pastor would say that. But really, when it comes down to it, it's Jesus' church. He's the head. He's the good shepherd of the church. And... and, and uh, Make this church, continue to make this church all about going even after one guy, one woman, one, one teenager. You know, that prayer request, he met these two kids. Go after them. Everybody can be a part of that. You say, well, I, I can't go there and meet them. Yeah, but you can pray, right? How many can pray? Yeah. How many of you can pray? Yeah, I, I would hope to see every hand up. Uh, that, that's right. I mean, there's something the whole church can do together or in groups that really make a difference going out. You don't know what God will do in their life. He'll save them. He'll deliver them. He'll, he'll call them as well. The reason that I challenge you with that is because when you really think about it, you and I were that man. We were that man that was lost and undone hopeless, spiritually bankrupt, dead in our sins, in the circumcision our, of, our, of our sinful nature. That was us. You may not know, you say, well, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, I, I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. 
yeah, you were. You, you, sin, is, sin, sin is far worse than you ever could imagine. And, and Christ's love is far more than you could ever hope for. And, and that's what we're all about. And so let, let, that, let that happen because make that a priority because we talked about a storm and we've been through storms, but there's a greater storm coming. That's what this implies, this other layer. There's a greater storm coming for many, for all of us, really. One day, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, face the judgment. Will you face it with Christ as your advocate or not? And, and if more people could know, they wouldn't have to face him, that storm, without hope, without an advocate that's brings them identity and righteousness and love into their life. There's a storm coming. And we don't like to talk about that. Churches don't like to talk about sin and judgment and hell and all that stuff. But there's a storm coming. And if you knew there's a storm coming, would you prepare? Uh, <clears throat> start with your closest circle of influence. Start praying for your family and your friends and the people that are, that are closest to you. And see what God will do. Because there's a storm coming. And they need to know that they're loved. That's called preaching the gospel. And that's what Jesus has called you to do. As you face the, the, maybe the, the tension of a new pastor. As you worship, he's with you. Acknowledge that more and more. His presence is here. Acknowledge it. As you know him, you'll know his will. Do you believe that? As you begin to know him more and more, and, and we don't know him to the full fullness yet, but as we know him, we'll know his will. And God has great things in store for this church. It does. Stick together. Stay on mission. Pray. Get into God's word. Let his spirit lead you. Because there's a lot of people around here and in your family and mine that need Christ. Let's pray.